This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest today is Josie Jimenez, co-host of Making Spaces on the Irreverent Media Group, as well as the Speaking in Church podcast, which IMG will have an announcement about soon. Wink, wink. I've gotten to know Josie over the past few months as we've launched this first group of podcasts for Irreverent, and it was a ton of fun to sit and chat with her one-on-one about her life. After you listen to this, please go and check out Making Spaces and Speaking in Church. You can find links to both of those shows in the show notes. As always, you can support the show via a paid subscription to the Post Evangelical Post. You can find that at postevangelicalpost.com. That one subscription helps support both Exvangelical and my other podcast, Powers and Principalities. Next month in July will mark five years since this show started, and I'll have some more info then about how to make this work even more sustainable. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BRChastain, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at ExvangelicalPod. You can like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ExvangelicalPod, and you can get merch over at exvangelical.threadless.com. If you use Apple Podcasts, please use that app to give the show a five-star rating and leave a review if you have a couple minutes. That always still helps, even here in 2021. This episode was produced by Jake Lewis. Thank you very much, Jake. All right, everybody, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Josie Jimenez. She is a fellow member of the Irreverent Media Group and co-host of two podcasts, <laughs> Making Spaces and Speaking in Church. Welcome to the show, Josie. Um, hello, Blake. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you on my show. I was able to join you and Sarah on Making Spaces, so I'm really glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I feel so official, so professional, <laughs> so famous. I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad that you feel that way. I don't know if I <laughs> if I deserve to be affiliated with that <laughs> type of feeling, oh but thank gosh. you for being on the show. I like to just really start these conversations really at the beginning. Um just to learn a little bit about you and your story. So where did you grow up uh, and what was your initial experience with church or religion or that sort of thing in your life? Yeah. um, Well, I grew up in Southern California, Southgate specifically um, on the Eastern Southern side of LA by 
Long Beach, Downey, Compton, all those surrounding areas, all vastly different. Um, I grew up in, in I'm first generation Mexican American, so my parents both uh, jumped the border. Uh, well, my mom flew here, so never mind. She's not that cool, but my dad jumped the border a couple of times. Um, and they came. They brought their religion with them. Uh, my grandma converted from Catholicism uh, a little before she was done having her eight children, and my dad being the second youngest. Um, yeah, she converted to Pentecostal apostolic type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't all that strict. I mean, she was pretty strict, but like the girls could wear pants and stuff like that. Not the church, but they could wear pants in general. Um, and then when my dad came here, he joined a similar church as Pentecostal Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. I realize now speaking in tongues and dancing, all of that was definitely allowed, but it was, wasn't every service to the extreme, which I am grateful for nowadays, but <laughs> it was definitely not the kind, it was a kind of church that growing up, you're just like, oh, is this the Sunday that I want to invite my friends to? Is it going to be weird or whatever? Um, but I grew up in that. Um, luckily we were able to wear pants. That wasn't a big deal. That tradition was broken coming over the border. Um, and from a really early age, I think I started my process towards being an hashtag evangelical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, the power structures, we didn't have like a leadership board. I didn't know that existed until I was well into like high school. Um, because the guy, the pastor was just the guy in charge. And there were some like issues. I mean, I was young. I was, I left that church probably around 13, 14, like high school. And I was like, there's some like money issues going on here. Like, why is this guy live in this giant house when the rest of us are poor? Like, cause we, mm-hmm. it was, this church was in Cudahy, California which is, um, you know, not a rich neighborhood. It's an, an, a predominantly immigrant community. And so that disparity was very apparent to me. And eventually yeah. I was just kind of like, I'm kind of done with this. Like something's wrong. And then on my side, I remember my mom telling me that somebody had asked her if I was a lesbian when I was a child because I just dressed kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Because I dressed funny. Not because, like, I was butch or, like, all the other homophobic reasons that people have, but just because I liked to wear, like, a dress under a sweater or something, like, something, like, stupid like that. Wow. It was pretty funny. So I didn't really fit in in general, and I wasn't really allowed to ask ask too many questions, and I didn't like that. And I was a girl, so we didn't really have all that much power. Like, all these boys are put on the track to being pastors because I don't know why. And I was just going to be a great woman in hospitality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, and I'm not very hospitable, let me tell you. I'm not very nice. <laughs> 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 but I, after that, in high school, I jumped over to the Baptist church in Downey, California, predominantly white congregation. And I don't really fit in there either. It was the same situation where they like when the Baptist church had a split, I suppose they went with a side that was like, "Mm, women are not, uh, should not be at the pulpit. And there was plenty of women in leadership that could only go so far. And I know a few that had left and 
we uh when my partner and I started dating, we tried to go back and I had stayed through college and cuz I had friends and it was great and then um I had gone to a house church from a, like a small group of young people that had split off and that was a shit show. <laughs> it was Yeah, those are always uh interesting. <laughs> people have big dreams and sometimes people don't have the tools to execute those dreams, right? Like it was all well and good. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't attended one personally, but I like friends and family. Some people were what upset about the church and then they thought they could just do like a more more intentional type thing or something. <laughs> uh, well, they weren't like upset at the church. They I think they just wanted to do something smaller and more intentional, start something new, something cool and you know how like Christians like to church plant just to be cool or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely it. And there was a, actually a huge situation with the church where they were like, you're taking all of our young adults and da, da, da. But the church also wasn't really caring for their young adults. So we didn't feel bad. Um, but it, it didn't work out. And a part of the huge reason why I left the house church um, specifically was because I, God bless my friends. I love them all dearly. But the two most educated people there were women, and we were not paid attention to. And it was, like, annoying because they were reading systematic theology, so they knew what they were talking about. Uh, like the Wayne Grudem book and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but they, they were kind of a do what you're told and reiterate what the guy says kind of people, which works for a lot of people, but that does not fucking work for me i ask all the questions and i've always been kind of a a strong personality which people tend to call leadership potential so not being kind of viewed as having the ability to do that because i was a woman and i'm sure they did it unconsciously that was really annoying to me so i eventually i was just like i'm done with this yeah and i had gone to a small christian college so i was just done with lots of evangelicalism in general because I went to Azusa Pacific University. I don't care calling them out. It's fine. And no, they'd fine. like we, to pride. We, we name our colleges around these. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they like to pride themselves on being like half and half, kind of half liberal, half conservative. But I was there during the Trump era, election era. And it was um, not nice, especially being from an immigrant family. And you're just like oh my gosh, you guys really want a wall to be built, I guess. You really don't like brown people here. I was on a Christian campus during the Bush era. So, I mean, this is very, you know, yeah. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> how did that sort of xenophobia and all these other things, how did that manifest on those, on Azusa Pacific's campus at the time? Yeah, it was, um, it was fascinating because one of my first experiences at APU was walking down what we call the Cougar Walk, which is kind of just where people gathered and there was the food places there. I was talking to my mom on the phone. My mom does not speak English. And people would look at me funny when I walked by speaking Spanish as if they didn't live in L.A. County in a predominantly hmm. Hispanic city, um, which is interesting because I wasn't used to everybody speaks Spanish in Southern California or nobody or if you don't, you don't think twice about it because it's just, you know, full of Latin people. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first experience. And then as the Trump thing started gaining steam, then all of a sudden it was full steam ahead. And people were are rather really aggressive about it or really 
um, what's the word? They allowed it in a way that wasn't really all that healthy. So, of course, little troublemaker Josie had to be the one on all the Facebook pages to cause a stir and to push back and to say, hey, (laughs) wearing little post-it notes saying, like, fuck Trump 2020, (laughs) making all this art saying, like, fuck Trump. So I kind of put myself in the center of it all a little bit because a lot of people were too scared to either push back um, because people on the other side were also a little bit aggressive and one of the most aggressive proponents of Trump at the time, I was actually friends with. Uh, we were in the handbook choir together. And God bless his soul. He was also first generation, um, but he was first generation Armenian, which is a completely different experience. Um, but yeah, it was a weird time of like having these conversations and trying to push back on people who were just not willing to really listen because that's not what they were taught growing up. They were taught that to be a Christian, you had to be Republican, which is not at all what I was taught. Politics never really made their way into our churches in a way that was outside of abortion. But even then, my dad has always, he hasn't been able to vote until the Hillary election, um, but he was always considered himself a Democrat because Republicans Hmm. were rich people who hated poor people and, you know, we were not rich. So um, it was wild. And I remember after... So I was a huge proponent against Donald Trump from the sake of like xenophobia and racism and how how is he going to use all this immigrant labor and then talk down to them and say that they're all bad people or whatever. Um, and I really did take offense to my dad being called a rapist. I didn't like that. That was kind of rude to me. Um, but even on the liberal side, it was hard in a different way. It was hard for me to be with people who were liberal, who meant well, but didn't know what the heck they were talking about. I can't really stand uninformed liberalism either. Because mm-hmm. it's just the flip side of the same coin, right? It's just ignorance with a different color on it. Yeah. And I remember there was like a prayer vigil after the election for like people who were feeling bad about it. That's not my kind of thing, so I don't know why I went. I don't know why I was like felt compelled to go, but I went. And somebody was talking about how like we just need to like take this in stride and keep moving forward, you know, because we didn't get our way or something to that effect. And I remember feeling so betrayed by that thought because I'm and I wasn't planning on saying anything, but I felt compelled to stand up and say like. Maybe to you white people, this isn't a big deal, but some of us are very frightened for our friends and family and our communities, and this is not something that we can just take in stride. Now we have to continue to fear for our lives in a way that you will never have to understand. And people listen, which is nice, but it was that that ignorance that comes with being in an evangelical space of people not wanting to ask questions because... To be fair to them, they were never taught to ask those deep questions. They were never taught to look deeper into any issue because you're just supposed to listen to the guy that's smarter than you who's standing at the pulpit or your parents yeah. or whatever. Right. But yeah, I mean, uh, after the house church, my partner and I tried to go back to the Baptist church and the interim pastor at the time thought it would be real funny to just put pictures of Donald Trump on the screen for the announcements and make a little joke. And then I realized... I don't really want to go to church and leave pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
so I left and we didn't go back for a very long time until we found uh, my co-host, Reverend Sir Heath's church, actually in Costa Mesa, California, and which is a space where it's not, it's just kind of a meeting space for people who are ex-evangelical and intellectuals <laughs> and we're a lot of smart people. It's kind of funny because I'm over here just like a little art major and we have like surgeons and software engineers and doctors and I'm just like... I can paint you a picture. <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, but but what what has that been like going back to a church space? I mean, for some people that's just not their experience. They just they have to disengage and that's what it is. What sort of drew you and your partner back to you know, an explicitly spiritual, even explicitly Christian type of community? Yeah, I think for my partner it's different cuz he grew up Mormon. So he had a different deconstruct, a vastly different deconstruction than I did, right? I can't even imagine what it's like to deconstruct from Mormonism because that's even more so like a lifestyle, right? It's a community and it's a situation. So for him, it was like this, he's believes in a God um, and he doesn't really know a whole lot about the church. So it's like a whole new, like it's, he's like Bambi. It's a whole new world for him. It's like cool. And it's not cool, but it's like new and exciting and he didn't have to experience the bad parts of evangelicalism. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And for me, it's, um, I'm very wary. Granted, I work at this church now. Like <laughs> I'm like the one employee besides Sarah, um, which kind of helps cause I, there's some level of control and some level of, um, power there to help the community not kind of sway back to what it could be. So that has been a huge helping point. But it, the community is also just full of people who have also been hurt. So it's um, it's church service, yes. It's a Methodist tradition. So it's less um, hillsongy. <laughs> it's less <laughs> of, a, of a show of a let's yeah. all pretend like we're cool. And we have uh, tons of people from the older generation. So that's lovely because then you have like, all ages and all stages and um yeah i like i like that the community is invested in being healthy they're invested in staying the course of being a good place for all types of people um very progressive we just had our first sunday today actually inside the church oh wow um since the world changed we wore masks <laughs> yeah we wore masks inside cuz we <laughs> we're just very progressive but it's been healing, honestly, to be in a community that is not only not evangelical, but actively seeks to heal the wounds that evangelicalism has left in the rest of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's now, up until now, that's little Josie. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that, that you mentioned is that you were in all these different church contexts, mm -hmm. but the one of the main through lines was you ran into misogyny in all of them. You ran into this issue of, of yeah. women being being oppressed in some way by the leadership or by the theology. What were some of the things that were sort of through lines? You were in Pentecostal tradition. You were in a Baptist one uh, and then through Christian college. Uh, you don't have to, I mean, <laughs> don't, don't share whatever would make you uncomfortable. Um, but I, I am curious, like, since you had this sort of breadth of experience within all these different 
areas of evangelicalism, how those played a factor and and how you had to struggle against them as someone that um, I know that I've heard you in other in other contexts uh, use, you know, Enneagram terminology and you're an eight. So that means that you, <laughs> you're assertive and, and you, uh, and, and all of that. So I, I know that, um, that that must have been difficult for the people around you to, uh, respond to when you weren't going to yield your ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm an open book, Blake. I'll tell you whatever you want. To know. Okay. All right. Care. That's right. <laughs> I really have no secrets. I like to live my life in a way that I don't have to keep very many because I won't <laughs> remember to. I forget. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, misogyny. Oh my God. I mean, it starts off in the Mexican tradition and then the Pentecostal to really amp it up is the whole, you have to prepare yourself to be a woman of God, a Proverbs 31 woman, which means that you have to prepare yourself to be a nice wife. And, um, I was not interested in that. <laughs> it was fascinating growing up because my parents always were like, you have to go to college. You have to educate yourself. You have to be good. Like we came here to this country for you to have every opportunity and you have to take advantage of every single one. And I was like, great. Cause I wanted to do it anyway. I don't want to, I never do anything I don't want to do. So I'm glad that this we're in agreement. <laughs> um, and then uh, growing up, you weren't allowed to have boyfriends in high school. You couldn't because you were focusing on your education or whatever. And really, it's just no teen pregnancy or whatever. Multiple sex shaming, you know. And mm -hmm. then you get to college and my parents are like, all right, well, now you can go find a husband and get married and be a housewife. And I was like, this is why you wanted me to go to fucking college so I can find a <laughs> husband get that and MRS be a housewife? Tree. Yes. <laughs> And I mean, they never thought I'd go to a Christian college. So even more so, they're like, oh, now she can find a nice Christian man and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I was started saying to everybody who would ask, I was like, well, I'm never going to get married. I'm not interested in marriage. And a lot of that was this like almost shame of feeling like, well, I'm not even good enough to be married or I'm not not good enough, but I'm not marriage material and I'm never going to want to be and I'm never going to try to be so I'm just not going to get married I'm not interested if mm -hmm. I have to change for a man I'm not going to change mm -hmm. so and that was every church right every church is gearing women towards being lovely godful holy clean pure wives for the men to be presented to men like cattle and I was just not interested and luckily, when I was in college, I gravitated towards the progressive spaces, like um, the mission office, the Center for Student Action was actually pretty progressive, and they sought to do things ethically, which I really appreciated, and my bosses were amazing, and they really believed in female leadership, which was awesome. Granted, APU is female affirming. They believe in women in all levels of leadership, which is sick, um, and then I was an art major and I worked in the art office. So it was the most, mm -hmm. we got in trouble all the time for doing things. Oh um, yeah. I, I mean, art, <laughs> I, I feel like arts programs on Christian campuses, even just by their nature, like the whole point of art is to test boundaries Yes, <laughs> in we're some pushing way. The limits. And, it's, and in some, in especially like within those like 
weird evangelical spaces where you're supposed to make art where no one swears or wants to have sex or like <laughs> or thinks bad thoughts or or anything and just is um it all depends on like whether it's like a theater uh program or some other type of visual medium you know but yeah the confines they they they, they try to give you these guardrails that don't really make sense exactly we're trying to push society baby not just (laughs) make pretty things anymore they want like the old roman catholic art but luckily it wasn't that bad um but yeah i mean i think the worst part of it all is the ingrained misogyny that people don't even notice i had someone push back on a podcast episode that i recorded he was one of the older guys um that went to the baptist church He's like, Josie, nobody ever tried to stifle you. Like, nobody ever did. And I was like, I'm real glad you feel that way and that you didn't do it intentionally. But let me tell you the experience of being a woman in the Baptist church. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's all just the name of the game. It's all the way things go. Uh, And, you know, it's it's sad, honestly, that people don't aren't self-aware enough to kind of deal with their own misogyny, aren't self-aware enough to deal with their own racism, aren't self-aware enough to you know, face the things that they don't really want to face. And that's really was the issue that I had with evangelicalism in general is that they didn't really teach you to be self-aware. They wanted you to just be this nice little human being that they want you to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, much of the way it functions is by having you not ask the questions Mm -hmm. uh, and just, just internalize the, the messaging and then move on and propagate it. So First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. I the, One of the reasons why I, I asked that question is because it really dovetails into one of your podcast projects, which is Speaking in Church, uh, which mm-hmm. actually really addresses the reality of being uh, a woman in many, many church spaces. If you come from a more liberal background, and more than likely, if you're listening to this, you probably don't. Um, so, you, <laughs> so you probably <laughs> know exactly uh, what Josie's talking about. But tell me about how that project started, as well as uh, the sorts of things that you tackle in that show. Yeah, so I had a friend who went to AP with me. She's like officially an official church person. She studied uh, ministry. She, you know, she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But we, uh. We're friends, and then we moved to Orange County together, unfortunately. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, we were just, we were both in a space where we didn't really feel like going to church because we had been so burned. And then she was actually the one that found Sarah's church, which was nice because I didn't feel like researching churches. (laughs) I don't like doing that. That can be a chore. (laughs) Yes. And so she knew how to do it, and she found the church, and We went together and then eventually we just kept having these conversations and she was more tuned into the ex-evangelical community than I still am probably Um, because she, I mean, she's interested. And for me, 
uh, it used to feel like ex-evangelicals were just like an extension almost like uh i don't really want to deal with them if i i don't know i don't really want to talk about this yeah 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 i totally get that <laughs> and now now it's more the humor that comes with being an ex-evangelical really bought me in right like i mean you have people like our homies the dirty rotten church kids who are like laughing their asses off and i'm like all right then i can deal with this yeah as long as we're not like doom and gloom the whole time then i could do it um but we started this podcast because we just kept having these great conversations and wanting to have them with other people Mm -hmm. and then having other people listen to them and speaking in church comes from that uh the title comes from that verse where it says that women should not speak in church and so we're just like, well, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, it's a lot less interesting of a story than I want it to be. But it's kind of funny. I think it's funny. And we do take kind of more of the feminist perspective, more of like, you know, women, all types of women. Because Spencer is much more of like a homemaker than I am. She loves the idea of being a mom one day and being at home with her kids and cooking and taking care of her house. Whereas I... I'm not interested in that, but (laughs) I support those who are. (laughs) Right. And I mean, that's the, that it's sort of wild. I think to, to think back on what was modeled in evangelicalism and they want everybody to be the same. And like, Mm -hmm. that's just so boring. Like It's boring. It's boring. Like if it doesn't appeal to you, why would you try to shoehorn someone into that sort of life? Exactly. My family is, offended that i will not cook for my husband granted my partner ryan is like a gourmet chef he loves to cook it is Mm -hmm. his like one of his passions in life so why would we eat semi-fancy top ramen made by josie if we can have like indian food made by ryan or whatever you know (laughs) he can make it all why would for the sake of gender roles i'm gonna eat shitty food i don't think so (laughs) but anyways back to the podcast we talk about all types of things we tend to have um the person pick the topic that they're passionate about and then Mm -hmm. we talk about it we riff and we talk shit and we talk progress and that's the part that's most important to me is like, I love to talk shit, but I like to offer solutions. Like what's the point of bitching if you don't know how to fix the thing, you know? Yeah. So that's the main purpose is, and we like to have normal people on there. No offense to all you famous ex evangelicals. We like to have normal <laughs> people like telling normal stories. I feel it's more relatable. Not that we won't have you on Blake. We will. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's, it's still, will, to me, it's, <laughs> To me, it's wild for for people to think of me as famous. I don't know about I don't know I about know. that at all. <laughs> I know. It's like maybe in like a very small part of the internet. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's fame doesn't have to be J Lo famous. You know, you can just yeah. be a little famous. It's fine. <laughs> just it's micro cute. famous. Yeah, <laughs> micro famous. Um, but yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a feminist perspective of life and challenging and. I mean, I think it's a good balance because Spencer and I are vastly different. She thinks that the evangelical church could be redeemed. Um, she doesn't necessarily think it's her job, but she thinks that it's possible. Whereas I am more of the burn it all down type of person. Burn it down. <laughs> so we have like that balance of having both perspectives of life and faith. And, you know, she's more um, into the Bible than I am. 
I'm more into the hippy dippy Jesus is love type of situation. Yeah. I, I forget. We were in one of our IMG meetings or something, <laughs> or maybe it was, maybe I was, I was talking to somebody from the group and I, I said, iron sharpens iron. And I think it was the DRCK guys. And they were like, don't say that. <laughs> but that's always what I think. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I think of when I think of those dynamics, you know, mm-hmm. we, it is good to have both because it's totally valid for people to leave the evangelical church. It's sort of what we talk about here. And so many other people talk about, but if somebody wants to try that, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. And I tell Spencer, I was like, I, I grew up like in an immigrant community. I grew up Mexican. Like you can say that I was born here and that I'm American, but my parents didn't switch to being American when they crossed the border. You know, I grew up for all intents and purposes, Mexican. So I wasn't very, like, I wasn't really fully accepted in the evangelical church. I was just kind of the token little Mexican girl who was like sassy and, you know, she's got a loud mouth and she's funny and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was never fully accepted. So I feel no obligation to fix it. I feel no mm-hmm. obligation to even want it to survive. You know, mm-hmm. that's just not my, not right. my, not my thing. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about making spaces. You, you did, you met Sarah because you started attending your church. Mm-hmm. You've got this work relationship too, but then you also have a great rapport on on your show and you you have a lot of interest interesting guests there um and then you invited me for some reason oh <laughs> my very self- gosh I, I don't know like you said it's sunday i'm in a very self-deprecating mood i apologize uh, all right i'm just gonna hold you accountable it's that's fine. okay that's totally fine that's what <laughs> that's thank you <laughs> we're goofy i'm sorry this is a goofy show uh, do not turns. apologize for being goofy. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because a lot of times I, I feel like this this feed can be a little dour. <laughs> so it's good to have some. Just invite um, me every now and again and I'll uplift right. the people's spirits. Yeah. What up, homies? What? <laughs> <laughs> so with making spaces, what what's the what's the focus of that show? Uh, is it right there in the name? yeah making space both literally and figuratively for everybody in the whole wide world um it uh i feel like sarah invited me to be on because i'm very handy i uh grew up with my dad being a genius when it comes to construction and renovating and he's very creative so he just knows what he's doing and i was I mean, I have a brother, but my brother's not interested in that kind of stuff. So I was a little kid following around, breaking all the gender roles, being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I want to do it. Can mm-hmm. I please? Let me... And I was interested in the power tools, and I wanted to learn how to do all that stuff. And probably because I want to learn how to do everything for myself, because I'm fiercely and to my own detriment, independent. And so we vibed on that. She is also great at doing all that handy stuff. She's amazing at renovating. And so uh, we could vibe on the making spaces literally. And we could also vibe on the making spaces figuratively. She um, is very much a three. And I feel like she needed a little bit of an eight to be like, tear it all down, burn burn it down, build it up. Just who cares? start over like that aggressive nature, you know, that comes with <laughs> sometimes it's needed when making space for people figuratively, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's been a great project talking to people who are doing the 
doing the goddamn thing, you know, making those faces for people and then us making spaces for the people who are making spaces. I don't know. It's it's fun to like not only feel the change, but to talk to people who are making the change and to talk about how to make change. And yeah, I mean, people talk about making the world a better place, but I think it's important to listen to the people who are actually doing it and get inspired and then you do it. And then like on whatever small level it is, you know, I think that's the spirit of making spaces. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's such a cool idea for a show and I was really, uh, really happy to be on uh, because one of the things that I, that I think about a lot relative to things like the evangelical community and whether, even the viability of that term, you know, because there's there's Mm -hmm. actually a whole bunch of communities, right. Mm -hmm. And they're large or small and they have different, different goals, but that's the interesting thing, right. Is that some spaces are better suited for different purposes. And Mm -hmm. how do you think about that when you, um, when you're working on uh, making space either at church or elsewhere in your life, how do you think about that? Like, do you think about it in terms of inclusion or is there some other sort of like metric that, that you, that you have when you're thinking about that figurative space? Yeah. Um, as cheesy as it is, I like to use the metric of love. Uh, that is my, as much as I am very aggressive, very loud, very outspoken, very much think that I'm the smartest person in the whole wide world. I, I come from like this perspective of like people, people are the way they are for a reason, not just for the sake of being whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that dude in the South, I forget him. He's a lovely black man who befriends KKK members and through the power of love gets them to turn over their hoods and not be racist anymore. Uh, and I, I guess I just always took like the whole love your neighbor, love your God to heart. And to the extent that I was hoping that people would also, um, I'm as much as I'm like super liberal and super lefty or whatever people call it these days, I have a lot of people in my life that are conservative or in the middle because I get it. I like to tell my friends and family, like, I understand why you are the way you are. I just think you're not right. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to have you in my life. I just don't think that you are correct. (laughs) Just like you don't think I'm correct, but you just are not thinking about why I am the way I am. Mm -hmm. It's like with racism. I understand why people are racist. I understand why people who live in a white homogenous community are scared of people that look differently than them, are scared of people who act differently than them, who speak differently than them. I understand why xenophobia exists. I just think that it can be changed and that they are not correct in having fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. No, that's, that's a great answer. um, Do you think it it also is like a a lack of curiosity on the, on the part of someone that, because the way you, the way you just described it was that, that you can understand because you like have been able to put yourself in their place. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's something that some people don't do just by their nature of like they don't try to empathize or or put themselves in someone else's position? Yeah, I've been constantly astounded by people's lack of curiosity these days, actually. Um, 
and I don't understand because I'm I'm such a curious person. I want to know everything, and I want to know how to do everything for myself. I want to know. I mean, podcasting. I didn't know how to do anything audio engineering, and I just learned how to do it because it needed to be done. Like I just, mm-hmm. I have such a curious mind. And it's been really hard for me to reconcile in my brain the fact that there are people who are not curious, who at the very least don't even want to try a new hobby, for example. Like they're not interested in (laughs) learning how to crochet because they don't have anything else to do. Um, Yeah, I think it is a lack of curiosity that leads people to be kind of ignorant. And sometimes all it takes is somebody to push them towards that curiosity. And it's asking the right questions. It's like they say when... You have to deprogram somebody from a cult, for example. You can't convince mm-hmm. them. You can't like push them towards seeing that they're in a cult. You have to just ask all the right questions. You have to right. teach them how to be curious about yeah. what they're in. Yeah. Given what we've all lived through over the last year and a half, you know, of mm-hmm. of the experience of the pandemic, of all of this un- unrest and reckoning. Uh, at least for a minute, uh, openly uh, about our histories of racism, all of these different stressors and all of this sort of being, uh, uh, many people just being very, very isolated. How how do you think coming out of this, at least here in the United States, as as things open up is the sort of, you know, term that, that people use, even though the pandemic's not over, how do you think community is going to continue because you're part of a faith community. You also have these uh, conversations, both specific to women and from a feminist perspective on uh, speaking in church, as well as on making spaces communities involved in both of those. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Do you think we'll, we'll be back meeting in person? Do you think we'll continue to make these sort of virtual connections uh, I've been able to get to know you over the last few months, and I'm here in the Midwest, and you're in uh, in Orange County. Mm-hmm. So, I hope. Truly, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Right? Like, right. who does? Yeah. I hope that people continue to value people that are far away. I think that's been one of the weird, and I don't like calling it a blessing, but that's one of the weird blessings of COVID is people realize that the world is both large and small Mm -hmm. that you can interact with people in this country or the next country because the people who think that covid is a hoax are very american-centric and forget that the rest of the world exists Mm -hmm. and i mean with the power of social media and all of that stuff i think community online community is going to continue and i think that we'll go back to going back in person and hanging out in each other's backyards and eating and stuff But personally, for me, I mean, it's completely changed. I, as somebody who has to come to terms with the fact that uh, she is disabled. I don't like using that word to describe myself, but it's fine. Um, I have been very hurt by all the people in the world who decided that my life did not matter during the pandemic. Who decided that wearing a mask was too big of an inconvenience for them to protect the lives of those of us who are in greater danger to diseases like COVID. Um, And it's very hard for me, as forgiving as I am as a person, even though I don't always sound very forgiving, it's very hard for me to forgive people who I saw on the internet talk about how this is all a hoax 
It wasn't a big deal. And the only people who are going to die are the weak. And I thought, I can guarantee that I am stronger than Alia. I may not be physically stronger than all of you, but I have a greater resolve. I'm passionate. I'm whatever, right? Um, so does my life matter less because I'm just a little bit frail? Because I'm a little bit of a granny? That's not fair. Um, I think there's going to be have to be a lot of forgiving in community coming out of this pandemic. I think there's going to have to be a lot of reconciling, especially with families. I mean, everybody talks about like going to Thanksgiving and talking politics, right? Yeah. Now it's going to be all year round. It's going to be every instance. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like there's going to have to be a lot of forgiving coming out of this. Mm. Yeah. That's not an easy type of forgiveness, right? It's, it's not Ooh. that 70 times seven thing <laughs> from that, Ugh, that some guy yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how do you forgive somebody who set up, who said like straight up, mm, you could die. That's fine. The rest of us don't want to wear a mask. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the, the, the callousness. Uh, that is one of the major things that we sort of saw through the entire Trump era. People were just more blatant about all of their prejudices um, because they felt like they yes. had permission to, uh, to be that way because our president was mm-hmm. a piece of shit. A piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Emphasis. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? I'm not sure. So, I mean, for for us, we we moved during all of it. Like a lot of people, I've I've heard, uh, like anecdotally, um, and I because I have not googled this for this offhand comment, um, that you know, somewhere around like ten percent of people in the United States made some type of move um, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we're closer to some of the people that are uh, close in our lives, family and things like that. I haven't established that many local connections, and most of my friends are sort of online. <laughs> I saw this meme mm-hmm. uh, of like, "Hey," it was like uh, a, an image of, "Hey, let's get together tonight," and then one person's in like New York, another's in Austin, and the other one's in LA. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it sort of feels sometimes. So I, I think that's, uh, it's, it was, it's weird. Like I've been going out more in the last uh, month or so. Uh, after having been vaccinated and all of that. And um, it's different to even see strangers again. Like, I mean, the only place I saw strangers is when I would go to like Target, you know? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But it's different to even see strangers. So it's, uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll mostly be good. Um, But it's just hard to me. It's sort of hard to, to keep it all. It almost feels impossible to keep it all in perspective uh, of, what we all sort yeah. of went through and like i can't even begrudge people wanting to get back to normal so to speak because i hate that phrase let me tell you why what the hell is normal <laughs> exactly normal has been so oppressive for so long why do you want it to be normal why do you want it to be boring like we said before it's so boring mm-hmm. there's no new there's no new normal there's no old normal Nothing is normal. It's all weird and crazy and fun and sad. And I hate talking about the new normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to a normal. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, ex-evangelicals? Stop using that, okay? 
So says Josie. <laughs> Josie has proclaimed. Let it be so. <laughs> no, but that's 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 fair. Like, I, and I think that is one of the. It's another one of those times when language sort of fails, right? Uh, I don't know. At least, mm-hmm. um, like. I wasn't calling uh, you. No, out no, no, I'm no. Just no. Everybody. I'm calling That's, everybody. It out. is. It is what it is. Like, you, uh, like the before times. That's what we we call it. You know, I, I, yeah. we don't even have a phrase for the the new normal. <laughs> the after times. I know for the, the now. Post COVID. Yeah. Because we're not even post COVID yet, so I don't know. Yeah. Who knows if we'll ever be post COVID with these herd immunity rates? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'm excited that that your projects are are out there in the world that you're doing making spaces and and um, will be uh, I'm sure there will be some fun announcements about speaking in church too joining IMG Ooh. so be on the lookout for that I'm super excited uh, what are your thoughts just about about the first couple of months here with the whole irreverent business. <laughs> I love it. I would be honest. When Sarah first told me about it, I was like, I don't want to talk to these people. No <laughs> offense. Fair. I was like, why do I? And this is my thing is I'm very not into famous people. I'm really not like, not like they say, don't meet your heroes, but I don't want to meet anybody famous. <laughs> like, well, and I mean, it's different, right? Cause what is fame in this community? Right. It's just, the guy who speaks the most or the people listen to the most, I guess. So I was kind of apprehensive. And then I was like, eh, maybe I can make some money out of it, which in podcasting, you know, you, what do you, who makes money from podcasting? That's the, that is one of the reasons why I yeah. was interested in, in getting together with other folks. Cause there's, you gotta, yeah. unless you're in the top 0.5 or higher percent, it's very hard to get any yeah. sort of actual money <laughs> so it's just yeah so we're yeah, trying yeah so it, this is a this is our our uh yeah. our collective effort so <laughs> i think yeah it's fun though uh it helps that n- nobody's an asshole you know that was my that's my, always my biggest fear is like who is gonna have a stick up their butt <laughs> thinking that they're hot shit here and who am i gonna have to kick down a notch because <laughs> i think that's my greatest a gift in life is kicking people down enough. <laughs> but luckily, everybody's great. I love it. Um, we're already planning little hangouts, uh, going to Wild Goose, still trying to convince Blake to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's an amazing group of people who are so much fun. And I mean, it helps. I love making new friends. I love building new communities. Um, I love podcasting. I like talking into the void and not paying attention to what people say back. <laughs> 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 it's it's a fun it, it's it fun. is fun it, it, that's why so many people do it these days right it's actually yeah. it's actually fun it's an excuse to talk to interesting people that's <laughs> exactly and i love interesting me people. too that's the whole reason like the other day we like we interviewed on making spaces rudy rasmus uh dr reverend rudy rasmus he's a pastor out in super famous pastor in houston and he's just speaking about all his like little things that he does and it's like this is everything I want to do with my life, Rudy. Teach me how to help the homeless population. Teach me how to do drug recovery. Teach me. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it brings out the most passionate part of me. Yeah. And I like being passionate. Yeah, that's great. 
That's great. Well, Josie, I am super glad you were able to join me on a Sunday. This was, as we mentioned, we were a little loose, a little uh, a little goofy, and that's a good thing. Uh, we're <laughs> always happy to break the Sabbath. Always. I, you know, I'm a workaholic. Yeah. So <laughs> for over the last year, for me, I feel like Saturday has been more of a uh, Sabbath type mm. thing for me personally. But that's, uh, but I agree. You know. Uh, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the vibe around here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where can people find your shows? Where can they find you online? Yeah, you can find both Speaking in Church and Making Spaces wherever you get your podcast. Um, Speaking in Church, you can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. Making Spaces is at Making Spaces Podcast. Um, you can find me at Josie Takes the World. And yes. That is a digressive handle. And yes, I will keep it forever. I am going to take over the world. I've been That's plans. a great handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can find us. Great. Josie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.